Psalm 72 of Solomon. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of needy, and crush the oppression. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the moon grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the rivers to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence he redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made made before him continually and blessings invoked for him all the days. May there be abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon and may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse are ended. Well, it is good to be here uh, for so many reasons, to see your face, uh, and I just want to express my gratitude to you for several things. First of all, as a mission partner, uh, oftentimes you guys don't fully realize uh, where your faithful giving goes and who your partners are on the, on the ground, uh, but because of your faithful giving, not only am I on campus at Coastal Carolina and Ori Georgetown, but there's campus ministers across the state um, who are impacting lostness. Uh, through your giving. And so thank you for that. Uh, college has looked a little different this year. Uh, some of you guys know that uh, from your own children, uh, but it is still happening, and there are still students who need to hear the gospel uh, and who need to grow in Christ. And so we're uh, still pursuing that and trying that. Second thing I want to say um, is through your faithful giving, the gospel is going around the world. Um, you guys, we have missionary partners here who serve in different countries. Uh, but I just recently returned from Salt Lake City. In fact, I took a red eye yesterday. Uh, and so, um, yeah, if I fall asleep, that's why. All right, so hopefully the preacher doesn't fall asleep. But uh, I was in Salt Lake City. You say, why do you go to Salt Lake City during the middle of a pandemic? Well, we have missionary partners on the ground in Salt Lake City. Uh, and I spent three days with them. We're setting up uh, mission partners for our college students to actually go uh, to Salt Lake to partner with church planners and missionaries on the ground there uh, to impact lostness. You guys, through your faithful giving, enable those partnerships to even happen as well. Uh, and so we have students. We have a group of 10 students, not from coastal Carolina, but from across the South Carolina, that are going to Salt Lake this December. 
uh, to meet, to, to work with these missionary partners on the ground. And so we spent three days there, and me and another campus minister flew out there and uh, spent three full days meeting with church planners, meeting with missionary partners in the middle of darkness. And it was actually kind of a perfect time to go. Monday, the governor of Utah enacted strict lockdown, not uh, strict in the sense of maybe some other states, uh, but things that they hadn't used. And we were debating whether or not to get on the plane to go. But the reality is, is as you know from this year, it is so easy to become isolated and so easy to become discouraged. And I think part of us going even this week was just to come alongside these guys who are out there in the middle of Mormon country, in the middle of lostness, to say, hey, we haven't forgotten about you. And through your faithful giving in this church, dollars go to support people in Utah. And through your faithful giving through this church, some dollars are going to support college students who may live their life in Utah ministering the gospel. Let me just tell you a little bit about Salt Lake City and uh, just south of Salt Lake City. We spent primarily our time south of Salt Lake City in Utah County. Utah County uh, is where Provo is, if you uh, know where BYU and uh, Provo, Orem, and area. One, one church planter is working in Vineyard. In the uh, 2010 census, Vineyard had about 216 people. In the 2020 census, the estimated census is going to be 20,000. Vineyard is, if you are a friend, I know we can't say this in church, but Footloose, the movie Footloose, all right, uh, one of the main dance scenes happens at the Geneva steel mill right there. That's where Vineyard is actually growing up. They they ripped it down, so uh, if you ever think about Footloose, it was filmed in Utah, right? And so uh, we were there, we were on the ground seeing these houses come up. Uh, but Utah County has about 650,000 people in that county. And of those, the estimated is about just 0.5% people who are born again. 0.5%. If you, if you break that down even smaller to the campuses of BYU, about 30,000 plus, and UVU, Utah Valley University, right there next to each other, uh, the, the reality is it's 99.85% lost. So we walked around campus, and we're just looking and observing and meeting people and seeing all of this right before our eyes and just feeling the darkness. You know, Utah, these these mountain ranges in the valley is where they built Salt Lake City in this area, and it's just this beautiful place, and yet it's just so dark. Culture filled with symbols, culture filled with ideas of what religion should be, this idea of structures and rules and religion, but ultimately there's symbols pointing away, but it's just bondage because they're missing the truth. There was this one moment we're in the BYU Student Center, there's just students spread out, private campus, operate a little differently, just students everywhere. And there's this, this huge Y, which stands for BYU, and it's just this, it's overshadowing these students. And my heart just broke because here are students who think they're studying truth, who, who think they're on the right path, and yet there's this bondage that just weighs over them. As we turned the corner, there was this scripture up on the wall, and there's students sitting right on the scripture, and it says, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Here are students studying what they think is the right way, and yet they're missing Jesus completely. And you say, David, why, like, why am I telling you this? Well, first of all, I want to encourage you that thank you for investing not only in this church, in this community, but missions around the world. Because the reality is the songs we just sing, like we just sang, like those songs are meant to be sung by everyone because our king is worthy. And so until that happens, we must invest in the kingdom. But second reason is, as I was sitting there and thinking about this thing, the reality is the more I learn, the more I realize it looks a lot like what we are here. 
You see, in our Christian subculture in South Carolina, maybe in Horry County, the reality is, is that there are symbols all around. There are scriptures, some painted on wristbands and walkways and everywhere at billboards. And the reality is, is that we can be so close to the truth, we can be so convinced that we have the truth, and we could really be missing it because we're missing Jesus. I know that's not true of you in this body, church this morning, but just for a moment, think about this. How comfortable are we with the things of Christianity, and yet when we're in the presence of Christ, it's discomfortable. How comfortable are we when the things of Christ are blessing upon us, but yet the call to serve Christ becomes, I'm not interested. And as I was there, it left me with this discontentment to examine my heart, to examine my motives, to examine my life and my desires, and to ask these questions, does what breaks God's heart really break my heart? In this year, man, things have just kind of bubbled up, and we see things, and we want better for this world conversations with friends who are not believers and even asking why and who they voted for, the the overwhelming thing was this world is not what it should be. There is a longing in us to long for something more, right? We just sang the song, do we long for what is right? Do we long for the time when Christ comes back and, and makes everything right? And if that is not your longing, then maybe we need to examine the fact that maybe we've gone down this path of structures and religion and ways and missed the path to Christ. And this morning, as we finish book two of of Psalms today, as I've been digesting this over the last three weeks to Psalm 72, man, we long for the final reign of Christ. Don't get me wrong, I love living now, but I'm longing for when Christ returns. More and more and more as my daughters grow up and as I want something for them, like I want the reign of Christ as it is mentioned in scriptures. I want to see that. And so I think it's a perfect text for the season in the midst of political chaos, in the midst of societal uproar, in the midst of pandemic confusion, in the midst of mass injustice and man-centered theologies. As we approach this Advent season, we're decorating for Christmas right after this, these services, is the reality is, is as we look at the Advent, the coming of Christ, man, this is a perfect text to, to focus our attention on what we really long for. Psalm 72 is a royal psalm. As we've been studying over the last two years, we've seen different kinds of psalms. A royal psalm really speaks to this idea of reigning and this idea of kingdom. And in the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament, when we had kings, those kings were always to point towards the true king, right? The great king, Jesus. And so as we read this text, really, it's a prayer of Solomon. Most people think that this, this, this psalm was written uh, as Solomon is taking the throne as almost like a prayer. And in fact, in, 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 in the times of transition, this psalm was actually almost like a petition psalm, like read over and over again for kings to take, that this would be true of their kingdoms. But ultimately, as we go through this morning, we're going to focus on what does this look like for Jesus, pointing to the king of kings for his reign. So this morning, first of all, let's just start the first four, first four verses. It says this, Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills and righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people and give deliverance to the children of the needy. And may he crush the oppressor. 
First this morning, what I want you to understand is in your discontent for the way things are, in your discontent for this world, you should long for justice. You should have a longing as a child of the king for justice. But that justice is only met in Jesus. So you should long for justice but that longing is only satisfied in Christ alone. As we look through these first four verses, we see the language of prayer. This asking, give the king your justice. And may he do this. And let the mountains do this. And verse four, may he defend the cause. It's a sense of, God, we're asking something of you. And in our longing, it's important to remember this, that if it can only be accomplished in Christ, you and I can't accomplish it in our own power. And so our lives should be filled with prayer as, as we come to this realization, man, long, we're longing for justice. We should be active in the process, but we should be asking God to do something that only he can do. And in these four, four verses, we see the frequent use of the themes of justice and righteousness. And justice means that, that right, this idea that the things are, the things are correct, that this is People are treated equitable and the, that fairly and that the, the people get what ultimately they deserve in the sense of just. It is correct. It is right. Righteousness in the sense of right living and the right way and all these things. And so there's this, this play on both of these words and how they go together. It's a plea for fairness. It's a plea for equity. It's a plea to be treat people rightly. All we have to do is just stop and think about life and realize that this is not current reality. He continues on and basically says, right, he says, may you judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. May he defend the cause of the poor and may he give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressed. It's a defense for those who cannot defend themselves. It's this idea, it's, it's even the basic concept of why we would say we're pro-life, right? It's defend the rights of those who can't defend themselves. And pro-life means more than just in the womb. Right? It's a sense of we care about God's image bearers. And we do everything we can to protect and deliver those who cannot do it for themselves. And at first, if you think about this, at first in Solomon's life, this is exactly really the path he started on. He starts his ruling in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 9-14. through 14. He, he asks God for wisdom. This is what he says. He says, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. Solomon's on the right path. For he who is able to govern this great people of yours, the Lord was pleased with Solomon that he had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but you have asked for discernment and administering justice. You see, we think about Solomon, and we know that he's the wise one, right? He was written the, these wise words, but the reality is, is that when he prayed for wisdom, it was so that he could administer justice. Oftentimes, we pray for wisdom so that our life can be better, right? God, give me wisdom on how to raise my daughter so I don't have headaches at night, right? It's a reality, right? God, give me wisdom with, with what decision to make so that my bank account can grow and not go down. God, give me, but well, here we see Solomon ask for wisdom so that it in, could impact other people in a just way. And so we see here that the idea here is, is that our pursuit of the king should lead to a pursuit of justice and righteousness for all people. And then he says this, verse 12, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have asked 
have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands, I will give you a long life. As we look to this, this psalm, this is exactly what he's praying in the psalm, right? He's praying for long life. He's praying for prosperity. He's praying for all these things. But the root of all these things is justice and righteousness. Oh, but what we also see is that in Solomon's life, it didn't take long for things to go south. And, and in fact, in 1 Kings 11, Solomon turns away from God. And he has a lack of righteousness, a lack of pursuing the king. And ultimately, when he loses this pursuit of righteousness in the rearview mirror, justice is going out the window. So, so many times in our lives, we're on this path for Jesus. We're on this path for God. We're, we're pursuing righteousness. And in it, we're, we're seeing justice. And we have these longings for things. And then suddenly, something just entices our eyes. And we just kind of take the, the, the exit this way. And in doing so, we leave justice and righteousness behind. In our quest for wealth, we, we leave other people behind. In, in our quest for safety, we leave the fact that people need the truth of the gospel. Oh, somebody else can take that. In our, in our quest for these things in the rearview mirror, these things of the Lord just kind of pass us by. Until we get to a place and we look around and we don't recognize the things of God anymore. This is what happened in Solomon's life. And, and ultimately... He, he turned away from God. And as his prayer goes, he's saying, Give the king justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. The reality is, is that no human king could ever provide these things. People are sinful. right? No, no president of the United States could ever provide justice. No, no president has, has ever done. Solomon failed. David failed. Leaders failed. Every human being is marred by sin and selfishness. And ultimately left to their own decree will leave us empty and will not be able to meet our longings. And so in this longing for justice, in this longing for righteousness, as we look around, let us stop looking for people who can fill these voids for us and turn our eyes to the king who can meet this need. And this is what Psalm, the first four verses is saying. We look to Jesus. He's the sinless one. He is righteous and just, and he will not disappoint. But, but I can't go on without asking this. Do you long for justice? And if you don't have a heart that longs for justice or longs for righteousness, do you know Jesus? Or have you simply just turned off over here and left it behind? Because this is the mark of people who serve the king, that we would long for these things. Continuing on in verse 5, it says this. It says, May they fear you while the sun endures, and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Saba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him and nations serve him. As we get to the second point, it's this, is that in your discontent with how things are, in your discontent, you should long for peace. There should be a longing for peace, but a knowing that that peace is only met in Jesus. I, I remember growing up, and, and we didn't have um, cable growing up. I, I know that that's hard to fathom for some people in this room, like, what's not life without cable? Life without phones? What? So, 
Like the things that used to come on TV, I was talking about it in the airport uh, yesterday with the guy I was traveling with, is this idea, he's like, did you watch wrestling? I was like, absolutely, it came on channel 17, I got it. Like, you know, I remember watching it back in the day, the good old days, right? And we were talking about that, but the, there was a time when, like, what would come on on ABC was, were these pageants. I know they're, like, controversial, but, like, this Miss America pageant, right, or these things. And the, or somebody would be asked a question, and what is your great dream, or what is your plan? I want world peace. You guys remember this? Like, the, these things, like, legit happen. It's not just, like, all right, like, and you would be like, how is that going to happen? Right? How are you, with a crown on your head, a tiara and a sash, going to bring world peace to everyone? Like, that, that's probably not going to happen. But yet, like, we, we, we go around and we're like, man, I want world, like, I'm going to do my Christmas list. I want world peace, right? Like, we want world peace. Everybody, like, we do want peace. Like, you think about, like, all the things that could go wrong. And if your mind goes there, man, like, let's just come back because those are dangerous places to go. But the reality is we want peace. There is a craving in our hearts for true peace. There is this idea of shalom. There's this wholeness that we want, this reality that there's something in our life that is not at peace, Right? Until we know Jesus, until he satisfies that longing for peace. And so there's this idea of like peace in our lives, and our family, but also in this world. And that longing can only be met with Jesus. There's no ruler, there's no king, there's no president. It doesn't matter, Congress, nothing. Peace doesn't exist apart from Jesus. And so as we continue on, we, we see this prayer of consistency. There's a prayer for peace and this prayer of consistency with a kingdom of justice one would expect a kingdom of peace, right? If people are treated correctly and fairly and rightly, then there would be peace naturally as a part of that. And so there's this prayer. You can see how it's kind of, to, but it's a sense of wanting. As he's praying, it's a wanting a lasting rule, one that will endure. He says it this way. He says, may they fear you while the sun endures. So forever and as long as the moon, forever, throughout all generations, forever, this sense of lasting peace. Like, we get excited when some Middle Eastern countries sign peace accords, knowing that that's probably not going to last forever. Like, there's a sense of we want this perfect peace forever, of consistency and dependability. And that's what we look for in a king. And that's why Jesus is so perfect, because that's exactly what he provides. You see, the kingdoms of this world, they don't last forever. The, this, if you remember back in your history book, the Egyptians and the Syrians and the Phoenicians and all these different people that went and conquered, they're conquering not by peace, right, but by sword and by these. But where are they now? They, they're gone. Because kingdoms of this earth do not last, but the kingdom of Christ lasts forever, and it's eternal. Everyone dies, everyone declines, everyone disappears except for Jesus. And also in these verses... Solomon's praying for the expanse of his kingdom. Typically, when kingdoms expand, it's not by peace. If you were to expand to my yard, it would not be by peace. If you were to try to take over my house, it would not be by peace. Right? There's this sense of battle, this sense of things happening, and yet the kingdom of Christ does expand by peace because he is peace. Rulers want bigger kingdoms and this expansion and going. And even in David and Solomon's time, the, the nation of Israel was expanding. But did you know at the greatest moment of their existence, the nation of Israel was no bigger than less than the size of North Carolina in area? 
Just think about that for a second. This entire world, right? This entire thing. And we look at Solomon, we look at David, and these are great kings, right? Expansion, and yet their territory was less than the Tar Heel State. Even the Tar Heel State was better than the nation of Israel when it came to land. Think about that. It's just a small microcosm. People think we, we get this idea that our kingdoms are so big, right? We have this false pride that our kingdom is bigger than someone else's kingdom, and our kingdom is greater than this kingdom, and our sports team, well, my sports team is not better than, okay, so, like, we get this idea that, that ours is greater, and yet in all of these things, it pales in comparison to the kingdom of Christ, that his kingdom is greater, is larger, is more dominant, and it's ruled by a king who administers justice and righteousness and peace. In Revelation chapter 5, John speaks of the rule of Jesus. We sang the song, Who Has the Right to Open the Scroll? And John says Jesus has the right to open the scroll because by his blood he purchased people from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. Friends, that's an expansive kingdom. One by the blood of his one by his blood and not by sword. So we rest in that, that kingdom expands by the spilled blood of Jesus, not by opponents. And so peace for us looks like this. We recognize the eternal reign of Jesus, and then we walk in that peace. What it also means is this. There's no area of your life, my life, not one hidden territory that he is not king over. Right? If he truly is our king, then every aspect of our life, there is no secret space from this king. He has dominion over everything. There is no territory seen or unseen that he is not king of, and so we bow before him. This language, it talks about the opponents will come and bow their face, that they will lick the dust. It's a sense of posture. If we really believe he's that great of king, our posture is one of bowing and worshiping, and then one of serving him. So if we long for peace, we know that it's met in Jesus. So do you long for peace? Or do you just simply long for peace in your little circle? Or do you long for peace that, that people's lives would be made at peace with Jesus? That this country would be made at peace? That this nation, that this, this, this world would be at peace with Jesus? Third today, in verses 12 through 14, we, we see continue on. It says this, For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor in him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life. And precious is their blood in his sight. In your discontentment, number three, you should long for salvation. Knowing that salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. Every, have you ever heard the phrase, oh, it's good to be king? Right? And I was, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about Lion King, right? Where I just can't wait, right? Like, sorry. Girls like Lion King, all right? Maybe I do too. This idea, right? Simba's going around like, I just can't wait to be king. Said, no one tell me do that. No one tell you do this. Like all these things. This idea of to be king, most people think to be king means nobody's in charge of me. And unfortunately, most of human kings, that's exactly the way they rule. Whatever they want, they get. And also, a lot of times it comes with certain benefits. The kings look out for themselves. They look out for their friends. They look out for their family. They gain wealth. They gain power. And what happens is most kings care little about other people. The sad truth is you and I operate as kings of our own little life, where those become our goals, and anyone in our way becomes an enemy. This is not the way of Christ. Solomon prays differently 
as he's going to the throne, he's, he's praised these things. He says, for he delivers. This idea of a king delivering people, right? Not king ruling people, but a king delivering people. Uh, he says that the needy, when they call, the, the poor in him who has no helper, he's a helper, he's a sa- he saves, he re- redeems. The king is active in making things right for those who cannot make it right themselves. Is motivated by this need and compassion. It says he has pity, verse 13, this compassion on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. So his action is motivated by kindness, by compassion. But that's not what we see around us, right? We see people, we see our own lives sometimes that is motivated by look out for yourself and grab power while you can. And even though it's going to Let's just, even though it's going to corrupt us, or let's just neglect people and, and focus on ourselves. But our Savior is opposite of this world. And I can just tell you this morning, like, I'm thankful for that. As we're singing songs, and just, I don't know if it's the jet lag or just, I don't know, it was just tears coming down because our Savior is so much different than that. Our Savior cares about the needy, and I am needy. Our, our Savior cares about the poor, and I am poor. Our Savior cares about the weak. Man, I, I need him because I can't obtain salvation on my own. Like all of these things, we, it says in scriptures that we are enemies of the king. That our sin actually is a trespass against the king of the universe. And that trespass makes us enemy. And that in that sin, we are dead and we have no hope and we have no future. That our future is tied to our sin and it means it's death. But our king in his compassion says, that's, that's not where I'm going to leave you. We deserve ultimate punishment, and, and based on what we bring to the table, we deserve nothing, and yet our king steps in. We see Jesus walking the earth in the Gospels, right? So many times he's walking around, and this is what it says, moved by compassion. When he sees the fields, when he sees the people, it says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Our Savior is moved by compassion. He sees our situation and he steps in. Over and over again, we see this, that salvation is possible not because of what we bring to the table, not because we're in tight with the king. In fact, we're enemies of the king. We have no standing with the king, but this king expresses his heart towards us that while we were yet sinner, Christ died for you and me. And then it says this at the end of verse 14, which is unbelievable. It says, from oppression and violence, he redeems her life. It's just a kind of, a, sometimes we just throw it away, and precious is their blood in his sight. Did you realize that the most precious blood in this universe shed his own blood so that your blood didn't have to be shed? That he sees you as precious in his sight, and so he says, kill me instead. That his blood saves us from death and hell and destruction. And so this longing that we're talking about is that we, multiple meetings, one, that we would consistently recognize the truth of the gospel. Friends, you can't walk around tomorrow without this truth permeating your life. Because it changes everything. If you don't walk around believing this, then you become your own king. Then you start acting like it's all about you. That you want to get your benefits, your way, your things. But if you realize you are the needy, you are the poor, that you need compassion... Man, it changes how we treat everyone else. It changes the fact that the the king of the universe loves me and gave himself for me. Secondly is this, we rest in those truths. We long that for others. 
We want other people to realize that. As I'm walking around campus in BYU, you, you would ask a question. Do you believe in Jesus? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes, absolutely. But they would not believe that that blood was spared for them. And that faith in that blood alone would provide what they need. So we long. We long for him to deliver. We long for salvation. We, we rest in that for ourselves and we look for it in others. Continuing on in the last verse 15, verse 15 says this, Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be an abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of mountains may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon and may people blossom in the cities like grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. In your discontentment with this world, we should long for blessing. Hang with me. We should long for blessing, but that blessing only comes through Jesus and comes for a very specific reason. This psalm is ultimately fulfilled when the queen of Sheba comes to Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 10 and basically gives him four and a half tons of gold, and we see that gifts are beginning to be brought from him. But ultimately, as we point to Jesus, what we see as we continue through these verses you see that because of the greatness of the king, people are blessed. When people are blessed because of the greatness of the king, the people realize the greatness of the king. And so there's this cyclical action, right, where, where blessing comes. The people realize that they're blessed because of the king. Other people see the king as blessing. And then suddenly focus shifts on not that what did I do to position myself to get the blessing, but who is giving the blessing? And it goes back to the king that his name would grow forth. That the king's name would endure forever. That his renown would go forth. And so the cycle is this, is that God blesses his people. And that through that relationship, they return praise to him. And that, in fact, we are blessed by doing so. And then the cycle continues. And so we should long for blessing, knowing that blessing leads to praise to the king. And that when we get blessed and when we return praise to the king, other people see it. And then they too want to join in in following this king. So we should long for blessing. There's, a, there's this critical element in, in the satisfaction of Christ. Is that we should long for that because we are satisfied in Christ in that way. There's kind of two sides or two ways to look at it. One is basically life is meaningless. Your poor life means nothing except for this. Everything is about God's glory, right? And like you might meet some of these people. Man, it's all about God's glory. You, you could be poor, blah, blah, blah. Like that's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it sometimes gets a little dangerous on the other way. It's like this sense of like, no, God wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. Like, name your blessing and go get it. Like this prosperity gospel. I would argue that somewhere in the middle is really what we see biblical, that God in his grace blesses us. But blessing is always there to put us in a position to give back to him, to point back to him, that, that, we, that we realize that we are blessed so that others can see the king. Psalm 67, which we did several weeks ago, says this, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us so that your ways may be known on earth and your salvation among all nations. You see it? That there's blessing that comes in our lives. That we long for blessing, but in that it's so that other people would see the king. This life is about Christ and his rule. And as people see our blessing, we point to the one who blesses us and we see others find their longing for blessing and met in Jesus. So do you long for Jesus? Lastly, Psalm 72 verses 18 through 20. This is really 
most would say this is not the actual prayer part of the psalm. This is just the ending. In fact, uh, book one ends with a benediction, and this is kind of the benediction end of, of book two. It says this, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone, alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. It's a summation. Verse 20 is almost a summation in the final sentence of the book. Hey, these have been the prayers of the line of David. These have been the prayers of, of not only David and Solomon, but those in his rule. And it says that ultimately our response to the reigning and ruling king is one of praise and exaltation. So in your discontent, you should long for the glory of Christ. You should long that his glory would be made known. It is not enough for just you to praise the king. It is not enough for just your household to praise the king. It is not enough for just your neighborhood or just your, your county or, or this church or just this state. Until the entire world praises the glory of this king, we are not finished with the mission. We long for the glory of Christ. We long for people to know him. We long for the people of Myrtle Beach, the, the people of Nepal, the, the people of Honduras, the, the people of Botswana, the people of Salt Lake City to come to faith in Christ. To, to see the glory of Christ and to respond in faith. And, and in Revelation, we see the rule of the new king. We, we see the establishment of the new heaven and the new earth. We, we see these things, and until that reality comes, we long for the glory of Christ until that is there. And so we arrange our lives in such a way that matches this. If we truly know the king and we are in this kingdom, then we should be the representatives of this king. And that we should be the reflectors of this glory. Psalm 72 simply whets our appetite for what can be. As we look around and we see problems, we come to Psalm 72 and we say, there's no justice. There's no righteousness. There, there's no peace. People need salvation. People need to be blessed. People need to see the glory of God. It whets our appetite for what should be, and it births in our heart longings for the King to be known as we know him. And so this morning, ultimately, I, I want to ask you, what, what about you? What, like, where are your longings? Is Jesus your king? And do these longings match your longings? I, I didn't ask if you've made a decision to invite him to be Lord of your life. What I'm asking is, is he your king? We sang about it, say, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Which means this, that every king that ever has or will be points to the king who is greater. Every lord that has or ever will be points to the lord of lords who is greater. Is this king your king? Do you worship him? Do you confess him? Is he, or you, is he your life? And if not, why, why not? Or maybe you're like maybe me in the midst of COVID, in the midst of lockdowns in the midst of quarantine in the midst of just life looking differently sometimes we just kind of forget then in the midst of all this we have a king who is greater who is not surprised whose affections never change for you never drift never wander and he stands and he is ready for you to fall down before him and worship him again and maybe you just need to refocus your attention maybe you've gotten off on on this exit and it, you need to continue on towards the king and maybe it's time to, we call that repentance, just come back, right? To come back to the king and bring worship to him and, and realize that in all of this, at the end of the day, the best, most restful way to live is with recognition that you were not king and I am not king, but he is king. 
And so we rest in that. So let's pray together this morning. God, thank you for your incredible grace. Thank you that our coming king has dominion, that he delivers, that he spares, and that he cares about us. That The scripture says that, that we are precious in his sight. God, I pray that the response of all of us this morning would be to see somebody greater. They would see the, the greatest that has ever been, that this king would be high, lifted up, and exalted. And that we would position our lives in such a way that we want other people to see this king. That when people see blessing in our life, it's not because we can say we made great decisions, it's because we have a great king. And so God, help us to reorient the way we think, to reorient our heart and our longings, to long for what you long for. And God, we pray that people would see you, that people with no hope and in darkness and in confusion and all these things, that our answer is not do this, do this, do this. Our answer is look to the king. Behold the one who gave his life for you. So God, help us to be faithful representatives of of you today. And as we sing, may our hearts just exclaim what, what truths you've put in there. And may we worship you in truth this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. people who were born in the south and people who were born up north. Uh, We are baptizing people who graduated from Duke University and from people who who dropped out of high school. Uh, We are baptizing uh, people who um, have come from all different uh, uh, places in life, different stories, different backgrounds. And as I reflected on that, I just couldn't help but just remember in Ephesians chapter 4 where we're reminded that there is one Lord and one faith and one spirit and one father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why there is one baptism, because there is one gospel that is the power of salvation. And um, that's why we're here today to celebrate baptism because of Jesus, the one and only Savior who who is a savior of the world. Uh, This uh, baptism, what we're going to do today is a symbol of the gospel. It's a, it's a proclamation of the fact that Jesus lived and he died and he rose. And you'll, you'll see that in the picture of baptism. But I think more than that, uh, or along with that, uh, you also get to see that the people that are here being baptized today are saying that they have put their faith in Jesus and they want to publicly declare to you today uh, that they have trusted in him, that they've repented of their sin, and that they want to follow Jesus for the rest of their life. And so um, this first sister I have here is Molly Maroney. And uh, Molly has been here at the church for about a year. Does that sound right? Yeah, about a year. 
And um, she has a, an awesome story. Hopefully sometime you get a chance to speak with her. Um, she did grow up uh, in the church and, and was able to uh, really take her um, first steps with truly following and walking with Jesus in high school. Is that right? Is that about right? And um, over the years, um, she has come to the point where she really wants to publicly uh, proclaim her faith in Jesus. She wants to follow him in obedience. And as we talked some, I was reminded of just the humility of baptism, the humility um, of even remembering that Jesus himself was baptized. And so um, he was willing to let another person you know, put their hands on him and, and put him under the water. And today, Molly wants to follow Jesus in that same baptism. She wants to uh, exhibit her, her willingness to follow Jesus and obey Jesus uh, no matter where, where he takes her. And so um, we're really excited to just celebrate with her today and with her friends and family that are here. And so at this time, I'm going to hand the mic over. Actually, hold on real quick. Well, I can just, y'all can hear me. Um, Molly. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior to save you from your sin and to lead you to eternal life with him forever? Are you willing to follow him for the rest of your life and make all of life about Jesus? Yes. All right. Well, then, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, I baptize you, my sister. similar to yours, uh, Chris had a moment in his life where he had a crisis, where maybe for the first time in his life, he was he realized that he was helpless, that he really, truly needed God. And he, from what we've talked about, you got down, I mean, you were down to, it was your last hope, like you, you knew that the only thing you could do was to cry out to God, and he wasn't even sure if he really believed in God yet. And so he cried out to God, and God clearly answered your prayer when you cried out to him. And so from, from that point on, that was a couple years ago, uh, Chris knew he had to follow, follow Jesus. He had to put his trust in Jesus because God had actually physically shown up in his life in such a real and tangible way. And uh, what I love is that um, the way that he and his wife Emily got here to this church is because a member of this church who uh, works with Emily invited them here. And they invited them here and they, they got plugged in. And they've been um, connected uh, with a number of different ministries of our church and a small group in our church. 
And so I'm just so excited to see how God works in our lives. And so um, I'm going to ask you the same questions I asked Molly now. Chris, have you trusted in Jesus for your salvation from your sin and to, to experience eternal life with him forever? Yes. And are you willing to follow Jesus wherever he takes you and to make all of life about him? Yes. All right. Then in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, I baptize you, my brother. So Brandon, he's, re he's ready. They don't understand how cold this water is. It's cold in here. Man, have you trusted in Jesus for your salvation from your sin and to, to experience eternal life with him forever? Yes. And are you willing to follow Jesus wherever he leads you and to make all life about him? Yes. And I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
experience as a church family. Uh, I'm standing in the water here with Chloe. Chloe is uh, a student at uh, Coastal, and David has shared with us today that, you know, we have one of the greatest opportunities on planet Earth living here in this community with the third or fourth largest university in the whole state of South Carolina. I mean, I don't know with COVID and all, I know the numbers have been up and down, but uh, Chloe is an example of how God continues to work His plan on earth. If you're here today and you know Chloe and you want to support her, I'd invite you to come up and stand with her on the stage. Just come on up right now and, uh, and join us up here. If you're one of her friends or you've invested in her life. Uh, as I said, Chloe comes to us from Coastal. And David represents uh, BCM. There are other ministries. Gospel Sharing Ministries on Campus One uh, is uh, Young Life. And uh, Chloe's journey, Chloe's story begins with Young Life in high school. Uh, some people cared about her and loved her enough to begin to share the gospel with her and continue to share the gospel with her until one day she came to the uh, realization that she needed Jesus in her life. Uh, you've heard a great gospel message this morning. The gospel is this. We're all sinners. And we fall short of God's glory. And God loved us enough to give his son Jesus to become the sacrifice to pay for the price of the penalty of our sin. And one day in high school, Chloe realized that this gospel was being offered to her. God was calling her into the family of God. And she trusted Christ as her Savior. When she came to Coastal, she got involved uh, with Young Life and consequently has become part of Palmetto Shores Church. And we're so grateful that God has chosen to invest in her and now she comes to the point in her life where she wants to publicly profess her faith in Jesus Christ. Baptism does not save a person. Baptism is simply a symbol that shows that a person has responded to the gospel. And that person is ready to obediently follow the command of Jesus to follow him in believer's baptism. Jesus humbled himself to baptism. And Chloe stands in these waters today as a follower of Jesus Christ, wanting the whole wide world to know that she is obedient to him. And she is professing to the world, especially this part of the world here at Palmetto Shores, that she's a believer in Jesus Christ. Let me say this. Some of you maybe have never made that public testimony of your faith in Jesus. And if God convicts your heart, I pray that watching Chloe and Mike this morning profess their faith through baptism, you can do the same thing. You can follow Christ and be obedient to him and publicly following him in baptism. So, Chloe, I'm going to baptize you now. Have you come to the point in your life where you have trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And are you ready and willing to continue to make all of life about Jesus? Okay. <laughs> Chloe, based on your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, I gladly baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
now his close friends are being seated. I want to ask those of you who, who know Mike Carroll uh, to come up and join him. And while you're coming up, uh, again, this is, uh, this is an awesome blessing today. Mike has been around for a while. Unlike Chloe, uh, Mike has been on the scene in the community almost throughout the whole history of our church. Uh, standing immediately to Mike's left is his wife Donna, and standing next to Donna uh, is Mike's mother, Anna. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that God works in mighty ways when a person is obedient to him. I met Anna first. Anna was selling coffee at the Atlanta Bread Company when this church was only half the size of this building. When we very first started, and I would office, we didn't have enough room here, and so I would office at the Atlanta Bread Company where Anna worked. And in conversation, I got to know Anna. And she started coming to this church. And since she started coming to this church, half the world in this community has followed her into this church. And that's the way God works. I mean, God works through your witness in ways that you will never know. About a dozen years ago, Donna came to faith in Christ, Mike's wife. Mike was, may I say, far from God at that particular point. And Donna obediently, I mean, I baptized Donna down here in the, in the canal, <laughs> in the intercoastal waterway, uh, along with about 15 other moccasin snakes. And uh, it, was, it was a glorious journey uh, to begin that path with Donna and then had the privilege a couple of years later to baptize Anna. She came to know Christ and followed him in baptism. And long story short, uh, God works in amazing ways when a person is willing to stand up for Christ and profess their faith in Christ like first Donna and then Anna did. Mike came to uh, a crossroads in his life about a year ago, a year or so ago, and through a tragedy uh, came to begin to realize that he needed a savior as well. And he had been around this church, but not really active in this church. And so for about the last year, maybe two, Mike has been digging in, searching for the gospel. And this is a beautiful testimony of how the Spirit of God doesn't give up on a person. Uh, this group on the worship team has, uh, has, over the last few months, has invested in Mike in incredible ways, beginning with Donna and then Mike. Church, you have been a great investment in, in Mike's life. So Mike, let me ask you now, have you come to that point in your life where you truly have surrendered your life to Jesus? And are you willing and ready to spend the rest of your life knowing and loving Jesus and making all of life about him? Absolutely. Okay. Based on that profession of your faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
go back to see. Like I said, uh, there's there's plenty of room in this water for anyone who would come to that point in your life where you're ready to say, I give up trying to make life all about me, as David preached about this morning. I'm ready to turn that corner and make all of life about Jesus. Now, Chloe and Mike will continue to need discipling, and they're in position in their life to have their lives continue to be led and, and discipled. And we have others who I'm sure are ready to make that stand for Christ. So just let us know. Uh, fill it out on your Connect card or call the church office and talk to one of our pastors and uh, we'd, we'd love to make you make the, the availability to you to make this the same stand for Jesus Christ. I don't know I don't know that I could ever get more excited than when I see someone obediently follow Jesus Christ in believers baptism. The hope of the world as you've heard this morning so clearly is King Jesus so let's continue to make all of life about him and continue to be a part of making disciples who make disciples. As you go out this morning, if you came prepared to give, there'll be offering plates at the door, so feel free to, uh, to worship through giving of tithes and offerings. Um, continue to pray for Palmetto Shores and pray for the families in our church. Pray for revival in our land. Pray for the students at Coastal at Ori Georgetown Tech. Pray for the leaders in our country. King Jesus is on the throne. And there's never been a day to celebrate him that we have today. God, thank you that in Jesus' name now, we actually literally have the opportunity to go out to worship. May what we've done here today continue to flow in and through our lives as we celebrate King Jesus together as a church. Use us in this community to be a light for Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray and go out to live. Amen and amen. God bless you.